Welcome, welcome, world. This is another wonderful, as you would call it, Malcolm Money Monday. We know it, money every day. Money Uh, every day. But we talk about money on a Monday, um, and it is time for Manager Dan Money with myself, Ben, and Malcolm. Uh, We got a wonderful, wonderful show today. Got some hot topics for for you folks. Um, But before we get into all of that, uh, today's conversation at hand is going to be an introduction to investing. Um, so we're going to get into the real details of like what an investment is, um, you know, what you can do to become an investor, those kinds of things. Um, but before we get into that, uh, how was your Mother's Day, sir? It was good. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the moms, uh, by the way. It was pretty good. Did, did dinner with the family. Okay. You went over there and, see, you went over there and saw your mom like a good... Uh... Went over there and saw my mom. Okay. Um, did dinner for her and uh, my sister. Very good. Very good. Uh, Mother's Day is always... And such holidays where you gather with your family. You know my family's in California, so right. it's always like a Skype or FaceTime call. And that's pretty much the card that I send <laughs> is my face over Wi-Fi. <laughs> Shout out to uh, my mother and all the motherly figures, my mother-in-law, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but before we get into the rest of the show, as we always do, the first thing we have to do is <laughs> headlines. Major headline that we've been advertising really hard um, on social media uh, something we found from 2016, it was in August, right. and the headline was, it's time to start telling our friends how much money we make. False. M- Malcolm says false. Now, it's interesting because when I first sent this story to Malcolm in, in preparation for the show, uh, you immediately said... Uh, My first response was, eh, no. Right. It, yes, immediately. Absolutely not. Immediately. Yes. And, and, I, and my thought process was, I mean, it could help if you maybe talk about what you make. Because I know I talk about what people make when it comes to friends of mine and like sure. maybe broad space of where they make and what they make. Not for the purposes of being in their pockets, but for the purposes of like, you know, understanding what they're doing. But how is it possible in this Instagram generation to have a conversation like that without being in somebody's pockets? Like, if you think about it just in the general sense, all the conversations that we have on a regular basis, on social media, look at Bow Wow flexing and not flexing, all that kind of stuff. Right. It, it, it really is all about being in somebody's pocket. You think so? I absolutely think so. Well, and I'm, I'm speaking specifically about uh, when it comes to being close with, with speak, discussing this with close friends. Um, but to get specific about which story we're talking about, an August 2016 story on Forbes.com by The Muse explores whether or not millennials need to share numbers when it comes to their salary and employment income. Um, an expert an expert says talking about salary related finances is awkward it makes people feel uncomfortable i'll gladly share how much my rent is but when it comes to how you negotiated your latest job offer you're probably more apt to say that you bargained for a couple thousand dollars if you're apt to say anything at all right not that you got them to go up to 55k Something about disclosing the actual number is unfamiliar and foreign sounding. Somehow announcing I got a new job and I'm going to be making $63,000 a year over brunch doesn't seem normal. Say you, uh, say you make more money than all the rest of your friends. And then you're the one talking openly about how much you make uh-huh. on an annual basis. Okay. Do you then seem like, you know, that guy? Or are you disclosing that to motivate your friends? What is to be gained by that? So you're saying if you're the one, if you're the high earner, so to speak, 
or if you're the lowest one on the friend lowest. totem pole. Like uh-huh. either way, like I, I don't want my friends knowing that I make forty <laughs> and all of them make a hundred and forty. Like, right. <laughs> you know that that's disturbing too. I guess that would be a little disconcerting. Um, the story went on to say, or the piece went on to read, um, if your reason for not being open about how much you make and how much you're socking away is because a you're embar- embarrassed by your salary and b you're not saving and feel comfortable admitting that you're not saving it's time to get over it one of the very reasons for opening up about our finances is to better understand your value and to figure out a way to get paid what you're worth if it's not already happening so does that does that like change your mind at all not a drop not a drop why not so i mean just just you know in in generalities Mm -hmm. what is to be gained from sharing that kind of information with your friends so this functionally is where i think it helps i think number one if you have those discussions and this is obviously with like close friends who you trust right um if you have those discussions periodically it does one one thing which is you understand where you sit in the Mm -hmm. landscape of employment generally like where can i go where can i get to if you have that friend who's a really high earner kind of early then you can say well i know i can set my sights on that and then number two you also have some understanding of we've had we've had a couple of shows that related to negotiations here and there i think it gives you some extra information in terms of how did you get there did you ask for that did they offer that off up front and if you don't talk about those things then you don't know what say you, sir? Uh, okay. I, I, so here's another issue that I have with it, though. Uh-huh. I, I get where you're going with that, mm-hmm. but I'm a little bit more concerned with other people spending my money for me. Okay. That In was terms the... terms of, you know, we go out to brunch and <laughs> you're ordering appetizers for the table. Uh-huh. And when the bill comes, you look at it and you go, oh, Malcolm got it. <laughs> well, now we have a problem. Friend. Right. You know, you, you, you ordering food for me to pay right. for. Or, you know, we go out to a club or something and, right. you know, everybody, let's get bottles. Malcolm got it. Right. Well, Malcolm now we got, got a problem. <laughs> that, so that's more so what I'm I'm concerned about. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I don't know how talking in any, like, specifics about what one friend has or the other. I don't know how that's going to benefit anybody. Right, right, right. And specifically... Um, that makes me think of um, uh, LeBron James and also Tiger Woods. Right. Because those two people are notorious for knowing, being known for not having split the bill with people who can't, who don't have as much money as they do. So right. I think there was one specific and story. I love it. You, you've mentioned this before, and I remember there's one specific uh, thing with uh, Tiger Woods. He went out to dinner with a bunch of like Navy SEALs or something like that, mm-hmm. and he didn't pick up the bill. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, we're splitting this. Tiger Woods, right? Since he, from what I understand, since he was in his second year in the NBA, LeBron James makes all his friends pay their fair share. for. Wow. And so I appreciate it because it's very easy for me to say, if LeBron splits the bill, mm-hmm. I'm splitting the bill. Mm-hmm. It, there's, there's no more conversation to be had if I can look to him as the the standard right then it makes it that much easier for me to say i don't care how much money i make or you make or anybody right. you know anybody else at the at the the dinner table right if lebron james splits the bill with his crew right and he makes a hundred million dollars a year or whatever right then i have no business comping anything <laughs> for anybody just because they feel like it. absolutely absolutely um and then we actually posed the question to uh our social media following we had a really huge response people um, are interesting people people <laughs> gave their we had i had a, we had a vast collection of responses um on one of our posts uh jasiri uh jasiri ig said 
in response to whether or not you would share your information your salary information with friends she just put nope lol <laughs> so shout out to jasiri my uh second grade classmate um that's at, one from malcolm <laughs> one from malcolm and then uh lapnk16 uh latalia she says depends on the reason you are sharing the information then we kind of got a little bit deeper and deeper unapologetic unapologetically nelly says i'm transparent because they could figure it out anyways if they wanted to the, gov- for the, fed. the government GS, <laughs> the government gs scale is public information lol so that was that then we had uh confectious 86 alana uh, I don't mind discussing it. My issue is when they start to count your coins and make assumptions that you make a lot of money. That's two for Malcolm. <laughs> That's two for Malcolm. <laughs> uh, one can make a lot of money and have a ton of financial obligations as well. Um, or you can try and finesse the system by talking about different things. Uh, you can negotiate. She said she negotiated her rent with her landlord recently to where her rent will not increase for the next year. Um, then we had another one from uh, Go Sin. Uh, I think it's healthy to share that information. However, it depends on the company you keep. Are they pro- progressive folks as well? So I guess that means like progressive in sharing. Uh, and then I think the for me, I guess now that I'm reading it off, I thought everyone was in agreement with me. But now I'm reading it out loud. I'm like, well, they don't necessarily agree. That's because you're super millennial. Right. I'm a super millennial, as we always discuss. Um, but the, the, the drop the mic comment for me was... Um, uh, B Cam B Cam boss or Brandon Campbell, he's actually a classmate of mine from Hampton University, and he's actually traveling all over the world talking to people um, with a project he, that's called Extended Family. Uh, but B Cam boss or B Cam, as he's known back at Hampton University, says the black community does itself a disservice if it does not share. How do you think others know what their salary should be or how much they should negotiate for? It's because they have a friend or men- mentor who told them so. We frequently don't have anyone on the inside or a mentor that got us the job or in the field. Therefore, if we don't know, if we do not share, we will not know our market value. And if we don't know our market value, then we will perpetually fall below it. I said, preach, preacher. Does Mr. Campbell not have Google? <laughs> I, 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 I can very easily Google on the Googler. You could Google on the Googler. What I should be expecting based on... Um, time and service, uh-huh. uh, education. I, I mean, how much information on all this stuff is available online? I think that's true, but I will give you a really specific example um, of someone who I know. We'll just put it like that, so I'm not putting everybody out there. But they, it was a collection of them. They all went to school together, and they were all in the same field, like very, like they all have the same jobs now, sure. right? Um, that's boring, but okay. Well, but it was a very specific, specialized situation, right? And. The, one of the one of the individuals who was in that group of friends, all of whom have the same degree, polled everyone else who had gotten a job and said, what do you make? What do you make on an individual basis? Mm-hmm. So she went to each person and asked them what they made mm-hmm. and then created a spreadsheet, which apparently, according to the person that I know that is aware of the situation, netted her with her new employer $10,000 extra extra as a result of her having cataloged what other people she knew was making. Like, not just like Indeed told me that Mm -hmm. people are making this, but I have actual numbers. This is the numbers that they got from so on and so forth. Okay. That's one flyer. You know, that's one anomaly or outlier or whatever you want to call it that that I see how maybe that worked for her. Uh But I'm still not 100% confident she couldn't have just gone online 
pulled a couple of like reliable sites, salary.com, mm-hmm. and said, this is what other folks with my same amount of tenure and education and what else are making. And, you know, you can't say that 10 people who have the exact same amount of education and the exact same amount of time of service are should be making the same amount of money because everybody ain't going to grind as hard as I am. So y'all don't deserve the same money that I'm getting paid. So that still uh, doesn't work for me. Okay. So, you know, it, it is agree to disagree. All right, fine. Well, the lesson learned is Malcolm ain't telling you what's in his pockets. <laughs> Um, so we thank Michael for that. We're going to uh, take a real quick break, but we want to remind folks that uh, you can listen to Manage Your Damn Money on iTunes. Just search us, Manage Your Damn Money, in the iTunes Apple Podcast app. And then also you can find us on SoundCloud. Again, just uh, check out or search Manage Your Damn Money inside of the SoundCloud platform. And, of course, you can always find us online at ManageYourDamnMoney.com. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break but the con- and remind you that the conversation at hand for today is an introduction to investing. We're going to get into what that is. We're going to put Malcolm's expertise to work. So we're going to take a real quick break, and we will be right back. Welcome, welcome back. This is Manager Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, and we are excited because this is the moment, Malcolm, where we're getting to set ourselves apart in terms of how we talk about money and the way that we talk about money. Because we're getting into... In comparison to what? In comparison to a lot of different things. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> I tried. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> but we get to set ourselves apart because this is a show called Manager Damn Money. It's easy to talk about savings. Uh, and how you can save more money. We mm-hmm. can explain 401ks and why you need to max it out and all the other basics of money management and personal personal finances. But we've now come to the point where it is incumbent upon us to move this discussion into places that are not as easy to explain or that people feel intimidated by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Malcolm Etheridge, it's time to put your Series 7 and Series 66 licenses to work. It's time for MYDM to do an introduction to investing. Feel like you kind of called me out a little bit. I'm calling. I'm bringing you to the table. I get that was an excellent introduction or reintroduction. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, if DJ Khaled was he, was here, he would say they don't want us to talk about it, <laughs> so we're gonna talk about investing, right? So when we talk about investing, uh, what kind of investing are we talking about specifically on this show? So we're talking about out, like you mentioned, outside of your 401k, outside of your uh, retirement savings plans. The question that you and I get in the inbox a lot is okay that's great you know i buy mutual funds in my 401k plan right. but what if i want to do something in addition to that right um so when we talk about investing we're talking about investing in the stock market we're talking about investing in indexes and mutual right. funds and that kind of thing um any place that you can put a dollar today with the expectation of 
a return higher than what you put in uh, tomorrow. Right. That is what investing is. Right. Absolutely. And a lot of times we talk about passive investing mechanisms. Right. So 401ks, 403bs. Right. Uh, those are things that you like. Your employer, you set it. It's done. It's obviously, for 50 like, years from now. Right. It's for yeah. 50 years from now. Um, savings, actually, when you save money and you set money aside, that's kind of like a passive uh, investing activity because you're setting aside money to the side and there's right. not much else that has to happen and you're just getting the uh, interest rate on that savings account. Um, but as Malcolm said, uh, we're looking at actually active investing mechanisms, kind of the basics of that, which is usually like stocks or indexes mm -hmm. um, or mutual funds. Uh, so real quick, we looked at a story called uh, Millennials, get off your assets and start investing now. Five tips to help you. I love the title. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Um, a September 2015 Forbes.com contribution by Neil Godfrey implores millennials to take advantage of investing in the stock market. According to a survey conducted by Bankrate cited in the story, only 26% of young people under 30 years old are investing in stocks. That's compared to 58% of baby, the baby boomer generation. Um, and then in the story, they cited the top reasons for why millennials, I guess, don't invest. Um, number one was they don't have any money to actually do it, which right. is understandable. <laughs> um, a lack of understanding of the basics, which is big. Um, and then a really interesting thing that was cited was a lack of trust, um, wherein the bank Goldman Sachs conducted a survey of millennials and found only, quote unquote, 18% of young adults trusted the stock market as the best way to save for the future. I think that one is huge in comparison to everything else, because that one isn't just millennials. I noticed that with Gen Xers too. Okay. So the generation just before us and ours, in the entire time, your entire adult life, and I'll use them even more so, there, there's really not been very much good time in the <laughs> stock market as long as you've been an adult with your own paycheck. Right. So if you think about it, the generation just before us saw their parents go through the dot-com bubble in 99, 2000. Right. So everybody was buying stock and things like pets.com and dot-com.com and, <laughs> dot and Ask Jeeves and all kind of crazy stuff like Ash that. Ask Jeeves. That had no real Woo. products. Right. Yeah. See, remember? Ask Jeeves. Wow. So Is that, is that still not? Is that, that, I don't that's know. No, I oh. hope not. Okay. Well, um, anyway, I think the Googler like ruined it for everybody. <laughs> but anyway, so I, you had you had they watched their parents go through that, mm -hmm. and then just after that, the 2008 economic meltdown, the Great Recession, as they call it. So we're right. just now getting to a point where folks are starting to feel okay, right? Like okay, like comfortable, like all right, stuff might not fall through the through the barely. floor right now just right now like just barely starting to feel like you know you're on pretty solid enough footing to think about doing anything right so if you think about in terms of that you know we were in college at mm -hmm. the time the the crash happened in 08 yes so you graduated into a market where everybody's freaking out and the stock market is down and you got all these different you know things going bad that shapes your perception of what all is supposed to happen with the stock market. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, that specific period, I came out of grad school in 2010. Culmination of the experience, I was an assistant manager at Sunglass Hut with no manager. <laughs> with a master's degree so i'm very familiar with that experience um so you were occupying wall street uh, <laughs> demanding your uh, your pension absolutely absolutely um but the story went on to say capital one a capital one investing survey cited in the story found 93 percent of millennials say that 
both distrust of markets and lack of investing knowledge make them less confident about investing. Um, this generation is also turned off by the industry's complex jargon and perceived high fees and lack of transparency. Um, so in your experience with clients on a day to day basis, Malcolm, uh, what when you do come across people who are hesitant about this or that, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned a couple before, but maybe specifically with people who you deal with regularly, what are some hesitations that people might have in terms of getting into investing a little bit more aggressively? Um, well, so for one thing, people don't know uh, what their risk toler what risk risk tolerance even means. Okay, and and I'll define it in a second. But then separately, what their risk profile should be based on a lot of parameters. So risk profile is basically how many dollars are you willing to lose on an investment before you freak out, pull the trigger, and say I got to get out of this thing. I don't care what it costs me. I'm done. Right. That's essentially what your risk tolerance is. When are you headed for the exit? Right. So if you invested a thousand dollars today, how many dollars would you be comfortable seeing? loss tomorrow before you finally said you know what I'm out and I don't right. care about the losses is right. it $100, $300, $500 that's your risk tolerance and then your risk profile is things like your age, right. your income uh, how many kids do you have how close are they to going to college right. and how close are you to retirement all those kind of things where your money has demands on it right. um, that come into, into focus it's important that people figure out those two things first before they start uh, investing in the market and then separately having a plan for what are you actually investing to do? Right. So am I investing this money because two years from now I plan to buy a house right. and I want to increase what's going to be available for my down payment? Right. Or am I investing this money because I just have a really good feeling about uh, Amazon or Apple or something right. and, and I just want to make a couple of extra dollars because I know earnings season is coming and okay. the stock should go up. Okay. Um, and inter- that's interesting. Some interesting like stepping stones to investing. Um, it's levels to this. It's levels to it. Um <laughs> But I wonder, uh, the story that I was talking about mentioned complex jargon being a barrier for people. And I noticed that like when I watch CNBC and business news, Mm -hmm. the way that like the tickers run at the bottom, everything feels really complicated and like overwhelming. Um, how do people, how would you, what would you think that would help in helping people like push past? Cause you're somebody who has CNBC running in the background of your, right. at where you work on a daily basis. Um, how do people push past the discomfort they feel when engaging news or platforms or like information tied to investing? Like just on a real basic level. So I know it sound it's a lot easier said than done, but the first thing would be just don't let it intimidate you. Right. Like know specifically what it is that you're listening for and ignore all the rest of it. Kind of the same way like when I watch national news, you know, I watch CNN or or MSNBC or whatever. I know what I'm listening for and everything else is just nonsense. Absolutely. So that's essentially the, the way I would say, you know, look at it. But then also don't be afraid to go look up something you don't know right like i get offended sometimes when people use words that i don't know enough so that i pull out my cell phone go to the googler, the googler. and say what did that person just say to me right and within 45 seconds i now have a better understanding of what the conversation we just had was that i didn't know we were having right so you know there's websites out there like investopedia right is a dictionary for investment jargon right. i mean literally anything terminology that you could hear somebody using go to investopedia punch it in real quick and right. even just do your best guess at what the spelling of it is right it will figure it out for you absolutely and then you'll know from then on um and then two crazy story that i feel compelled to share uh the wife once said like this was really earlier on in our relationship mm-hmm. and she was like i was talking to her about i think stocks and i was like yeah i have stocks or whatever or whatever the conversation was and i never forgot the quote she says she said stocks sound like something an old white guy has but not me <laughs> 
I'm gonna have to talk to your wife. <laughs> this was years ago. Well, in, you know what fairness. though? In her defense, right? I get that attitude to an extent, right? Because I do feel like, especially being in this profession for as long as I have been, I do feel like a lot of times folks look at investing and say that's something that's been kept away from from my grasp right. for so long. Um, and the folks who have the information, i.e., the financial professionals, right. don't want to share that information with just any old body right because then it makes it takes away the mystery of what they do and, and how to do job. it right right so i i say that kind of critical of my own industry uh -huh. but at the same time i ha i'm of the opinion that my best clients are the ones who are most educated on what it is that we're doing absolutely so i don't mean necessarily that they have master's degrees or phds in economics or anything right. i mean educated in why do i own this stock that you told me i should buy right and when am i planning when should we be selling it? Right. What are we waiting for? What's what's the reason that we're uh, putting this five thousand dollars into this particular investment and not something else? Or right. know what you're you know know what you're buying okay. and why you hold it. Excellent, excellent. Um, and then uh, it's interesting because you and I both got an introduction to stocks early on. Mm -hmm. You were like, I forget how how old were you when you like first. So you know it? what's interesting? I always talk about the the Nike stock that I had. Uh, in sixth grade oh wow. um but then it your, occurred your to love me. affair started way before my <laughs> so but go ahead <laughs> you you remember the ducktales cartoon uh -huh. with scrooge mcduck swimming in his gold, uh -huh. yes, gold I do. coin that is the life i always saw for myself <laughs> like i always wanted to be scrooge mcduck swimming in my gold coin vault in my basement like that at, that at is so six. specific that's all i ever wanted out of life was to swim in my gold coins right i'm working on it and then darkwing duck came on <laughs> Oh. But anyway, so I rem I thought about it, and then I remember when I was in eighth grade, we had an algebra teacher who, at the end of class, would always pivot the conversation from being about algebra right. to being about the stock market because right. he was a very avid stock market enthusiast, and so he like taught us how to open up a newspaper. That's how old this oh, was. Wow. Open up a newspaper, actually go look at the closing price yesterday, right. of, you know, the stock and blah blah blah, right. and then he assigned us each a stock that we were to cover. Mm -hmm. And that was how I learned things like a P.E. ratio, how to right. calculate the book value of a company. Like, I mean, like very intricate stuff for a 13 year old or, or whatever. <laughs> but I realized the other day when we were talking about this, like I completely forgot all about shout out to Mr. Russell. Uh, I forgot all about that. But that actually did help me a good bit to knowing like not being intimidated right. by you know all the phrases in the mr russell planted some seeds boy and mr. they are mr. Russell did his so you know what's crazy so i remember my stock was exxon okay and at the time exxon was trading at like 89 dollars. and i remember i was telling my mom like one day when i came home from school you gotta buy exxon you gotta buy exxon like right. i'm telling you it's, it's about to pop like the earnings are I'm going telling you, Mom. <laughs> no my voice has been at this letting off <laughs> So, and so I'm telling my mom and I'm telling my mom, she's like, all right, dude. All right. You know, I, I hear you. I hear you. And then one day I'm looking at it and Exxon's up to like $150. And oh, I'm wow. like, mom, you missed the wave. Right. And her response was, well, how am I supposed to know a 13 year old knows anything? Yeah. <laughs> Which I suppose is fair, uh, but I was like adamant at right. the time. Like I had done my research and had it all figured out and right. like knew what I knew. Right. Um, right. But Absolutely. you know, that was like one of my earliest experiences for sure. For those who are watching and listening, you could tell this really gets Malcolm excited. This is the stuff that like I nerd <laughs> out on this and like all of a sudden realize the audience is gone. Absolutely. We're not there yet. <laughs> this has been interesting to this point. Um, but you're watching and listening to Manager Dan Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, we're doing our introduction to investing. We're going to take a really quick music break um, and hear from our music, in-house music producer, 
Mr. Beats by Beeman. You can listen to his music on Instagram at Beats by Beeman. Just spell it like it sounds. Uh, but when we come back, we're going to actually get into some more actual details, like step by step actions for people who are interested in exploring what investing is. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break. You're listening, watching Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. back here on manage your damn money with ben and malcolm where we are discussing or giving an introduction to investing we're going to do other shows on investing this is just like the beginning um but we had to get this on record because we hadn't actually touched this yet um but we had another real quick story we talked about like malcolm's love affair with investing i because so i was the kid who i didn't have i didn't buy stocks until probably like 17 18 but i was this 15 year old whose parents bought him a subscription to money magazine when he was 15 okay um so that was coming to my house i would read about like what it would take like i would read the magazines front to back uh and so that's kind of what kind of got my toe in the jacuzzi so to speak of <laughs> investing and i was like okay i understand this i understand the basics i know what a 401k is um but we pulled a story about a, a, a millennial investor uh, who was raking in, at least in one instance, 250% in, in return on the money that he invested. Mm -hmm. This was a 2015 CNN money story about uh, uh, by Patrick Gillespie, which explored how a 16-year-old named Justin started investing in the stock market with $650 um, by putting his money in three different stocks. Uh, Justin was 23 in 2015, so he would be about 25 or 26 now. So that's just like where he is now um but he started when he was 16 and upon selling his investments he was able to garner a 250 percent return and he made about 1600 dollars over the course of the investments that he made from when he was 16 mm -hmm. uh and ironically just like you mentioned justin's story apparently started in a classroom in naperville illinois where he took an investing class his sophomore year um, and he was assigned to create, similar to you, a portfolio of stock, a mock portfolio of stocks. And I think that's what jumped it off for him. And that makes the case then that this is something that should absolutely be taught as early on in school as possible. It's interesting. I was thinking when I was reading, I was like, what school district was he in? He was clearly in a nice one where they give an information about stocks. So that's that's excellent. Um for Justin. Uh, and in the summer of 2009, uh, Justin turned his homework into a real investment. After convincing his dad to co-sign a online trading account with him, Justin bought United, I guess, Airlines for $4 mm -hmm. a share in 2009 and sold it in 2014 for $41, which was 10 times higher than what he bought it at. 
Um, so there, that right there is a real perfect example of how you can slowly ease into something, and it's not all that difficult, and it's not all that challenging. As Plus, listen to that time frame, 2009. The market was down 38% in 2008, right. which means he got a significant discount just On for having good timing. Right. So when we talk about having like that three to six months cash reserves on the sideline, right. it also reinforces the conversation about saving to be able to take advantage of situations like that right. in the market where you may maybe it's a short term issue. Right. You're able to take advantage of, you know, uh, right. mispricings, as we call it, in well, the market. You, you mentioned how you, you, you had this class with Mr. Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, what were some other things that you did in terms of, like, I had Money Magazine and was reading through that. What were ways that you, like, slowly eased into, like, understanding the, the, the complicated nature of investing? Um, I'm a person who asks everybody questions about things I don't understand. Okay. Like I mentioned, I, I get offended when people talk about stuff that I don't get. To the point that like I'm as they're still talking, I'm like on my cell phone right. looking it up. So for one thing, I, and I think this is key for a lot of people, uh, I identified people who actually knew a little bit of something about what they were talking about. Right. And as, as long as they were willing to answer my questions, I would keep asking. Right. So I would say, find yourself, you know, what do we call it? A money mentor? Maybe? <laughs> like find yourself a, a money mentor who you can go to to ask questions about what they're doing you know currently with their investments you don't have to do everything they're doing right but it helps you to have somebody to have an open conversation with right and somebody to uh to, to kind of bounce ideas and, and questions and that kind of thing absolutely absolutely um so of course this is the conversation at hand an introduction to investing here on manage your damn money with Ben and malcolm uh this is the moment uh we're gonna actually gonna go through a list of things to kind of just get people really quickly acclimated to what things are and how people should go about things um First of all, we mentioned in the early in the show, you have a series six and series what is it seven seven, seven. Mm-hmm. series six wait what is it series seven series sixty six series seven and sixty six what are those two different things really quickly so the seven uh, exam basically covers investments in general stocks bonds indexes commodities options futures all that good stuff and allows you to be able to trade them on behalf of other people okay the sixty six is around advice and okay. so it allows me to give advice on different financial planning tools and techniques and okay. that sort of thing um, that's as generic and okay. bare bones as I can make it. Do you guys have to like get that renewed? So we do have to do, uh, every two years we have to sit down and take an exam to make sure that you still know what you should know. Right. Um, you do get another shot at the exam if you don't, you know, hit it. but <laughs> the, the bar to entry is so high the initial time you take it, it's, right. it's three, it's 300 questions almost an eight hour exam. Oh, wow. Um, and so, you know, if you passed it that first time, I think you deserve to be in the industry. Uh, right. Absolutely. Um, so at the very basic, Malcolm, because you have a Series 7 and Series 66 license, um, what is a stock or security? So a stock is a security. Okay. A security refers generally to any type of investment vehicle that's traded on a major exchange. Right. Um, a stock is a sliver of an ownership in a publicly traded company. So when we say publicly traded company, again, we're talking about anything that's sold on an exchange like the New York Stock Exchange, the NASDAQ, right. uh, any of that kind of stuff. Right. So you as owning one share of stock in Amazon, I'll use my example again, right. as owning one share of stock in Amazon, you now are a part owner in the company Amazon. Right. Okay. So you've traded them in exchange for that one share in the company. They get to use their cash to go do whatever they need to do right. uh, to make improvements to the company or to put other businesses out of business. Right. Um, that is essentially the the 
simplest answer okay. of what a stock and is. W- what's the relative value of a company? Like, what does it mean when I look at the stock price of a company? Like, what does that mean in summation? So basically, the price that you see the stock trading at today mm-hmm. is the amount of shares that are outstanding. Okay. So the amount of shares that Amazon issued yesterday okay. uh, divided by the overall value of the company. Oh, wow. okay. Or the other way around, oh, the amount of shares okay. that are outstanding times today's share price tells you how much Amazon is worth at okay. any given time. Okay. Okay, very good, very good. Um, and then very, this is maybe I should have asked this first. What is the stock market? So the stock market is basically just a place where you can exchange uh, ownership rights in a company. So where I mentioned you own that one share of Amazon. Right. To you, Amazon's shares are worth $750, let's say. Okay. To me, Amazon's one share is worth seven shares of my Apple stock. Right. So I'm willing to give you, Ben, in exchange for your one share of Amazon, yeah. seven shares of my Apple stock. Okay. They both equal about the same $750. Right. So that's a place where you and I can go to exchange our ownership rights right. in that company that we've decided to buy into. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. There's different stock markets across the world. We have the U.S. Stock Exchange here, right. which is based in New York. Right. Um, but then there's other ones in different places um, across the world. Uh, so we talked about stock prices for companies specifically uh those are typically shorthand referred to as like the ticker price mm-hmm. or the ticker, ticker number symbol. three ticker letters symbol, or four letters three or four letters symbol that represents the company um now as opposed to just looking at companies specifically what are like three things um and i'm, I'm talking about the nasdaq dow and dow jones and s&p 500 mm-hmm. what are those things and how do people use them generally so the dow nasdaq and s&p refer to the major uh indexes that basically own some of the largest companies that are domiciled here in the United States. Mm-hmm. They may have international dealings where they do business in other uh, locations, but their home base is here in the States. Okay. Uh, so like the S&P 500, for example, that is the 500 largest uh, companies here in the United States, right. all bundled together in aggregate right. in one big basket. It's like an average of everyone's business right. or stock price, I should say. Or the Dow Jones is 30 of... The, you know the ones that they chose to use as a sample size to tell everybody how the broader market is doing. Right. Um, I prefer to look at the S and P than the Dow personally as an investor because thirty stocks can't really tell you on any given day what the whole market is doing. Right. But that is the one that's historically quoted the most um, because it's the oldest okay. one that has all those okay. companies that are older than you and me put together. Excellent. So those are really just like snapshots of what's going on in the market as exactly. a whole. Right. So it gives you a snapshot at any given point of the day. Uh, to give you an idea of what the broader market is doing. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, so here we are now past the point of like, what is this and what is that? And I think we could kind of move into like what people should know. Sure. Uh, what are some basic prerequisites? And you kind of alluded to them earlier um, when embarking upon making direct investments into the stock market. Right. So one thing I, I always caution people against is, you know, don't buy anything that you don't understand. Right. So just because you read, I'll use your example, Money Magazine and said, <laughs> you know, this is going to be the hot stock of the summer, right? Mm-hmm. If you don't understand what that company is and what they do, mm-hmm. don't buy that company. Right. Or if you're reading in the Wall Street Journal and it says today, you know, uh, Apple is going to unveil their new iPhone and that means the stock's going to triple. <laughs> well, if you don't know for sure, like right. what that number needs to be for you to get out. Right. Don't buy Apple stock. Right. Um, a lot of times, you know, it was a, as we're talking about individual stocks a lot of times i tell people who are just getting started 
to you know wet your beak or put your toe in the <laughs> jacuzzi as you like to say uh with an index instead okay. so buy the s p uh -huh. own those 500 companies that give you a larger sample set of mm -hmm. the broader market mm -hmm. um that way you know if one company goes down and and you know it goes from a hundred dollars a share to a dollar you only lose you know one five hundredth right. of your initial investment right. versus if you only own that one company right you just lost your and, shirt and quickly explain what an index or mutual fund because those are like similar things sure. when people invest in those products as opposed to just a singular stock which is one company what are the what is the index what is a mutual fund and how does it function the way you just explained so the two are similar in that they are an aggregate of different companies it's, it's like a it's like one. a it's like a bag of stocks. it's like going into the grocery store and taking a basket and going and pulling down a whole bunch of different products off the shelves right throwing them in that basket and then you pull up next to me at the register and i just have one item in my cart absolutely so you have a much bigger sample set of what all is going on which means you've basically diversified your exposure among a bunch of different sectors right to make sure that if real estate for example tanks well, there's nine other sectors, you know, that might have had a good day right. or technology or whatever else. So you, right. you spread your risk out a lot better than just being tied to one company or one industry or one. And sector. that's indexes and mutual funds. So um, mutual funds are a little bit different than indexes in okay. the sense that they actually are. They're what we call active investments. So they actually have a, a live person. Right. Who you're paying a management fee to. Right. That's mm -hmm. called the fund manager. Which, who can, is which buying, can be expensive. It can be expensive depending on the strategy behind it. Right. Um, but you get what you pay for in a lot of places. But, right. That's but so there. for that, for a mutual fund, you have a, a fund manager who's actually buying and selling individual stocks or bonds on your behalf on behalf of the fund that you're investing on behalf in. of the fund that you're invested in so you right. gave that that person a uh, hundred dollars of your money to right. own shares of that mutual fund right and as that mutual fund goes up and goes down based on his or her investment decisions so does your share of ownership in that fund so that one's a little bit different than an index because okay. the index just buy it mirrors uh, whatever the industry sample set is, right. that exchange, okay. and it, that's it. Like okay. you get whatever the the index is. Absolutely, and it's not actively managed it's in the passive. same way. It's yeah. passive. Excellent, excellent. Um, so we're gonna take a really quick music break and hear another song from our uh, in-house producer Beeman. Uh, but when we come back, we're gonna go down another a uh, quick list of things that you need to have set before you embark upon your own investing journey. Um, you are listening, watching, manage your damn money with Ben and Malcolm. We will be right back. We are here, 
back live on Manage Your Damn Money with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, we are talking about the conversation at hand, uh, which is an introduction to investing. We're putting Malcolm's expertise to work and getting some real hardcore tangible items on how to actually move forward in understanding investing and then, you know, eventually getting to the point where you might figure out what investing looks like for you. Um, but one thing that's really important when you talk about investing is uh, having cash reserves. Explain right. to me what a cash reserve is and why that's important, specifically in the conversation of investing. So cash reserves are basically uh, you figuring out what your monthly living expenses are and then having three to six months worth of whatever that amount is right. put to the side to where if you were to lose your job or have a reduction in income or something significant happen, you're not going to be homeless in two weeks because you're not <laughs> able to pay your rent or mortgage or whatever right. it is. That's the very first thing that you want to make sure you have because right. as I mentioned, uh, stocks, the, the the market in general is volatile. Right. So it could be up today and you're feeling great, but then by tomorrow something has happened and all of a sudden you lost half your investment. Right. Uh, and if something happened that made you need to cash out of it immediately, mm -hmm. well, now you've accepted and taken that loss right. uh, because of your timing. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, another one that you mentioned, Malcolm, and when creating the list of these things that people need to be concerned about, um, set goals. What does right. that mean? So basically, as I mentioned earlier, you want to have some idea of what am I investing for? Right. You know, am I, am I, you know it, it makes my hair stand up a little bit when I hear people say like, oh, yeah, I like to play in the market. <laughs> well, losing money isn't fun right. for me, so I don't, I don't play in the stock market. Right. Like, you can lose a lot of money really fast. It's kind of like saying, oh, yeah, I went to the MGM this weekend. I like, I like to play. Uh, I like you know, to play the slots. It, it's the exact Black same my game. mentality in that regard. Like right. you're, you're playing the slot machine hoping that something good happens that you have right. absolutely no control or plan right. for. Like, same thing. So I would say, you know, have some set idea of what you're buying and why you're buying it. And then separately from that, um, have a planned exit. Right. Like, you That's need really to big. actually have a plan for... What does that mean, it, like, functionally? So, exit. okay, I'll give you the example of Amazon again. Okay. okay so I, I bought Amazon at $750 a share. Uh -huh. I bought it on the premise that Amazon is going to have a very good... Uh, earnings uh, season right. the next coming quarter. Right. So when Amazon reports its earnings to all of its shareholders, like every publicly traded company has to do, right. uh, I anticipate that they should have significant growth in right. comparison to the quarter before because you know they just opened a new grocery store that right. I can walk in and walk out and pay for it with my cell phone without touching anything. Right. right. Yes. So I bought it on that premise. Fast forward three months, earnings season comes along. Right. The share price goes from $750 to $850. Get out. Well, the emotional side of me might say, right. well, if it went up that fast, right. if I wait another three months, it might go up another $100 right. or so on and so on. Right. Well, no, if your plan was I'm going to take what I can get in this snippet of time. Absolutely. When that day comes, sell it. Sell it. Sell it. Absolutely. And on the flip don't be emotional about the and uh, on the flip side that works for if if the stock price drops too far for what too. you feel like if is, I'm is wrong okay. and I make a bad bet right then this is the remember I mentioned risk tolerance right. this is the floor that I'm willing to accept right a drop in the share price of Amazon so right. if it goes from 750 to 699 mm -hmm. I'm out right and don't you know, sit there at your computer with your finger on the mouse saying, well, it might maybe. <laughs> if that is what you determine to be your exit strategy, right. stick to the plan. I've done that many a time. Most um, people do. <laughs> um, and then you mentioned this earlier in the show, but uh, 
only invest in what you understand. Explain what that means in like very clear terms. Like well, how how so well do you have to understand something to understand something? As plainly as I just explained to you why I would invest in Amazon on that in that on that premise hypothetical scenario. Right. That is how you need to be able to explain to somebody, right. a buddy, your spouse, your mom, dad, somebody. Right. Just say it out loud to somebody else and see if it makes as, as common sense, right. simple terms as you think it does. Right. Um, you should be able, I should be able to sit here next to you and say, you know, I just bought Apple today. Right. And the reason I bought it is because the iPhone 8 is coming out and they're anticipating 150% more sales on this phone than they did the last one. And I think that'll be enough to move the share price up. You okay. Know. $20 or whatever. Excellent. The simplest answers are what you're looking for. Okay. Don't make it any more complicated than that. Don't say I'm buying Apple because that iPhone 8 is going to be five. <laughs> like that, that is not a, right. a I, that's not tangible. Right. I can't do anything with that. Absolutely. Um, and then real quick, uh, we talked about what an index fund is. Explain to people how people can use index funds specifically as a way to dip their toe in the investing jacuzzi and, and understand slowly what it means for the value of uh, something to fall and rise on a daily basis. So as I mentioned, uh, I'm going to use the S&P 500 again. That index takes a snapshot of 500 of the largest U.S.-based companies, you know, uh, that are available to invest in. Mm -hmm. And it puts them all into one basket so that you don't get as much of the downside Right. When something goes wrong in each of those, you know, companies. Right. But then separately from that, the trade-off is you don't get as much of the upside either. Right. So you do have to keep in mind that, you know, if I invested in Snapchat, for example, and, <laughs> and you know, Snapchat booms and doubles overnight. Right. And you're sitting there looking going, well, I'm invested in S&P 500. I didn't, you know, I didn't get any of that upside. Right. You got to keep in mind that just as quickly as mine went up, it could come Absolutely. crashing down Absolutely. equally and opposite. Um, whereas in an in index, right. like I just mentioned in that S&P 500 or the Russell 2000 or whatever you decide to, to buy, it is going to smoothen out that ride a little bit. Right. So we'll both get there eventually. Mm -hmm. It's just how many bumps in the road are we going to have? Absolutely. And then also investing in an index allows you to incrementally throw more and more dollars into that investment. Right. Um, so something I encourage people to do who are always, you know, wanting to know what can I do to get started, mm -hmm. set a specific amount of dollars to come out of your paycheck each, uh, you know, month or each uh, biweekly or whatever it is. Have them go into that investment account right. and then automatically buy additional shares of that index. Okay. That's what we call dollar cost averaging. Yes. So you basically are buying on completely separate days right. in the market so that you capture some of the up days, some of the down days. Right. But then when you look at it in in, in average, you right. spread it out over the course of a year, you caught some of the good ones, some of the bad ones, and you're right here somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. But then that way you've set it to an automatic investment mm -hmm. uh, mode to where you don't have the emotion of, I don't want to buy today because X. Right. I don't want to sell today because Y. Right. It's already happening for you, and okay. there's, there's nothing you can do about it. Excellent, excellent. Real quick, you, I think you mentioned it before. What was the first stock you bought as a as a six-year-old? Nike. <laughs> Nike. All of my friends were walking around with Nike sweatsuits, uh -huh. the Jordans, the matching wristbands, uh -huh. headbands, and I didn't have any of them. Right. So the stock that made perfect sense to me was when, I, when I learned what a stock was, right. every time my friends went to the store, their parents went to the store and bought them a Nike sweatsuit for Christmas, right. the matching shoes for their birthday. Uh, I got a couple coins <laughs> off of that sale 
and that made me feel a little bit better about absolutely uh, being in the clearance section at, at, at Payless. <laughs> absolutely, my first uh, stock that I bought was Apple. Um, and I just watched it and looked at it for like a full year plus before I did anything. So I that should have paid for your whole college right there. It, it did not because it was one share. <laughs> so it would be impossible for that to pay for college. Um, but uh, really, really quickly before we uh, wrap up the show, because we're almost at the end. Sure. Um, one question that we come back to is like, do you have to have a financial advisor to buy and sell stocks? And if not, like, how do you go about doing that or figuring out how to do that? You don't. So uh, I just mentioned that whole idea about uh, dollar cost averaging, right. buying an index to get started and having an automatic contribution into an investment account. Right. Then the question is, how do I get an investment account? Well, my answer is always go to the place where you bank. Right. I'm sure in 2017 they have an online access. Right. They should have an option on that same website to open an investment account. Right. Open the investment account at the same place that you bank because every time you log into the app or on your computer, you get a chance to see what your investment portfolio is doing too. Absolutely. So you don't get a chance to forget about it. You right. don't get a chance to wonder or worry. Right. And just keep buying that index right. on an incremental basis and increasing right. your, your contributions to it as you become more comfortable and you right. start to make more money. Absolutely. Um, and then uh, really quickly for those who are... Curious, we mentioned places that you can go to get acclimated with uh, financial things. Investopedia, Yahoo Finance, MSN Money, uh, CNBC, and Bloomberg Business are all places you can find um, information on companies and you can just kind of get yourself into the pool of investing. Um, so I think, you, listen, Malcolm, I want to give you a standing ovation. <laughs> Put some money in the in the hat. Put some you money can in keep the hat. The hand clap. I'll, I'll, put, some, I'll, put some money in the in the hat. Somebody put some money in this somebody hat <laughs> so that we can continue to have wonderful <laughs> advice given by Mr. Malcolm Etheridge, uh, licensed financial advisor. Um, that was an excellent show, dude. Yeah, that was fun, man. This is this is the stuff that I get excited about. Uh, clearly, and I appreciate you obliging me and letting me put everybody in here to sleep. It's very apparent this is like your thing. So uh, I think we had it right when we decided to call this "Manager Damn Money" with Ben and Malcolm. Uh, and we want to remind folks that they can always listen to old episodes of "Manager Damn Money" on iTunes or on SoundCloud.com. On both platforms, just search "Manager Damn Money." You can always find us online on our website at managerdamnmoney.com and then in terms of uh social media social medias i am at malcolm on money uh on twitter and instagram the gram absolutely and uh, of course you can always follow me at mydm1 uh of course we want to thank you for listening to this episode this introduction to investing we're going to come back to investing at some time very soon because it's a lot more thick than just what we gave yeah. um but until then uh we want to thank you for listening and watching uh this is manager damn money with ben and malcolm and we will see you next time Peace. Peace. They say that money made the world go